0: Thank you for listening to another message from New Sound Church and our lead pastor, Josh Monty. For more information about us, you can check out our website at newsound.church, or you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We want to thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Share your story with us at story at newsound.church. Enjoy the message. Because I get the opportunity now to introduce my favorite communicator on the planet, um, my wife, Kim, uh, moved here with me with four kids and a promise that eventually some people would come to a new church plant. And they did. And um, uh, if this church has ever blessed you at all, some of you even would be like, oh, man, I thought we were going. We didn't get Josh last week and now another week. And, and so you might be poochy. But let me say this. Um, you don't get New Sound without Kim Malney. So if this church has ever blessed you. If it's ever impacted you in any way, you might listen to me preach the most often. But I'm telling you, when I go home, when I have nowhere to go, when I don't have anybody to talk to, when I'm ready to quit on every single person in this room and move off to an island somewhere never to be seen or heard from again, it is Kim Monte that says, get back in there. They love you and they need you and we gotta do this. And so please stand to your feet and welcome my favorite communicator on the planet, Miss Kim Monte.
1: Well, thank you and good morning and happy Mother's Day. All you mamas out there, you did it. You've got them here. They're checked into kids and um, you can leave them there as long as you want. Actually, don't do that. They'll, they'll not be happy with me if I say that, but it is our little gift to you for a little bit and um, it's funny because a couple of you have asked me, hey, why are you willing to preach on Mother's Day? Like, Isn't that a lot of work? And You have to understand something about our family and it is that If you preach on a Sunday morning, you get the guaranteed nap in the afternoon. And I have four children and all I want is a nap. And so I will put in the work this morning to be here just so that I can curl up in my bedroom and take a little snooze this afternoon. Can I get an amen from all the mamas in the house who are like, please, bless me with that too. We deserve it, right? But um, I'm really excited to be here. He kind of said a few things that... I was feeling this morning about Mother's Day not always being an easy day, and I'm going to speak into some of that today through my own story of kind of how I came into motherhood and ministry through our marriage. And um, I'll be honest with you, it's not the easiest story for me to tell, so just bear with me a little bit if I get a little shaky. But before we get into that, I just want to take a minute and thank God for this morning and for all of you. So dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church, and for your love that you just pour into us every day, God, and just what you're doing here. Jesus, I just pray a blessing over all the moms. I just pray comfort to all of those who need it. I pray for grace for all of those who don't think that they're enough. You made them on purpose for a purpose, and they are the perfect mamas for their kids. And God, I just pray that today your words are my words and that they will fall on ears that are ready to hear and hearts that are ready for change. We love you, Jesus. It is in your name we pray. Amen. So last week I had the opportunity to listen to Pastor Lane's message. We're in this series, All in the Family. And his message was so great because it talked about being an heir to Christ, being an heir, being part of the family. And I get to piggyback on that a little bit because he talked about what it meant to be in the family. And I want to talk about what you get by being part of the family. And so we're going to start out in John 10, 10. We're actually going to camp on this verse quite a bit, so we'll come back to it. You can can just mark it. It's also on the app. The notes are in the app if you want to reference it there. And it says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so my question to you today is, are you living in the fullest? Are you living in the full? And what does that even mean? Because... I don't know about you, but I grew up in church, and I called myself a Christian my whole life. But I'm not so sure that I lived in the full. You know, I could look over here, and this person loves the Lord and loves to be in the Word and loves to pray for hours, and I'm like, don't you get bored? I don't understand how you're doing that. And they're just full of hope and love and grace and mercy, and then I'm standing over here sometimes like, gosh, I'm full of anxiety and worry and you know, uncertainty. And God, I'm not even sure that you have a plan for me. You say you do, but what is it? And so I want to know how I get there from here. If we both have the same title, we both are are heirs. And so I looked up the the definition. I went to the book of Webster, not found in in the Bible, and full, not lacking or omitting anything, complete, So from that, I feel like you cannot actually be complete and living in the full without the father and having all the privileges and status attached to a particular position. So if my position is Christian, then that sounds like there are a few perks that might come along with it. Now, you might be in the corporate world and maybe with certain positions in the corporate world, you've noticed that there are perks that come with that. Maybe it's a company car or an incentive cruise or a Christmas bonus. But if my status as Christian, and my perks are coming from the creator of the universe, I think those perks are probably pretty spectacular. And I want to know what they are, and I want to know how to get there. And so, I can speak to this today, because I didn't always live in the full. In fact, I lived in the lack for a very, very long time. And I'd call myself a Christian, and I'd go to church, and I couldn't quite figure out what was missing. And if... Here's here's the danger of that. My husband and I have planted this church and it's amazing and it's growing. And if you go to my Instagram page, I wish I lived on my Instagram page because I am on vacation all the time and my kids are always happy and they're always getting along and they're always dressed well and they're always, it's, it's my scrapbook because who knows, nobody has time for a scrapbook. So Instagram is my scrapbook, but you can see that and you can say, okay, well they have it all together and they always have. They've always had it easy. They probably got married in Bible school. I don't know, like I don't know what you're thinking, but that wasn't our story. And so today I wanna share with you what my story is because like he said, you don't get new sound without both of us. And my story wasn't always one that was just so pretty and perfect and Instagram worthy. And um, so I will say this before I jump into that. If you are comparing yourself to somebody else's Instagram story, delete it. It is not real. And Mamas, you are doing better than you think. My house does not look like Pinterest, and I am OK with that, because my kids are happy, even if they're filthy. So, so so, just a few things about me. I was raised in the church. I have a mom and a dad who brought me every Sunday, which was no small feat. We were an army family. And so we moved every four to six years. And I look back on that, and I'm so amazed at their faithfulness and their priorities, because they, I just can't remember a Sunday not being in church. But somewhere along the line, and I don't know when it happened, and I don't think it's any fault of their own, I just started to notice that the people I was seeing at church were different when I saw them out of church. And so I'd be, you know, playing at a friend's house, and the parents are arguing, and I notice this, and then we go to church, and they are perfect. And you ask, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, we're Great everything's great and then like two years down the road they're separating and you're like what how how are you saying you're great every Sunday and now you're telling me that you're not but you're still going to come to church and pretend and so while I got a lot of knowledge about the Bible through church the thing I learned the biggest lesson I learned this is where we have to be careful I learned how to pretend I learned how to play church I could be the good church girl on Sunday and then I could spend the rest of my week being however I wanted, because what I learned was we can go to great lengths to please our Father one day a week. That's all we need. And so what happens is I fall into that statistic. I don't know if you've heard this statistic. It's, it's quite alarming that 85% of our young people who are growing up in church are graduating high school and they're leaving the church. And I fell into that category. I left the church, I I don't need this, I can pretend anywhere. But what happens here is you start putting your standard and measure of success on what the world says. And here's the thing, the world will change. The world's opinion will change. That is just opinion. You know, there is one unfailing word of God and it's in your Bible and it's there for a reason, but the world's opinions will change. Just look at fashion. Some of that that came back in needs to go back out because it's just not good. And um, so the Bible actually warns us against this. In 1 John verses two, chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Whew. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride and possessions, is not from the Father, but is in the world. So over time, I just let the world define my success. And on paper, by the time Josh entered the picture, I was the world's success. I had a great job. I had a great paycheck. I bought myself a really fancy car. I had a great collection of shoes, heels. I don't wear them anymore except today. My husband's probably like, where did those go, by the way? I missed that. <laughs> you know, I took trips. I had a good paycheck. I had it all. But something in me was missing, and I knew that. And so I started to make decisions and go down roads that kept leading me to emptiness and heartbreak. And the weird thing about that, and I don't know if this is true for you, but I kept going down the same roads that led to emptiness and heartbreak, expecting a different outcome. And it just became cyclical. And so I found myself sitting back in church, broken, but saying I was fine. And Josh came into the picture, you're a pastor, came into the picture, and we were introduced through a mutual friend And um, when he told her that he was gonna marry me, her response is, oh, mm -mm, you're not, you're not her type. I know now what that meant was, she's not ministry material. I know what she does the rest of the week, and that's not gonna fit with what you are doing right now. I know that, and I love her, and we are still the very best of friends, so I can say that now, and in fact, I believed that so much that when he asked me out, I tried to say no, because I thought, okay, it's easy to pretend on a Sunday, but when you get up and close and personal with somebody, that's exhausting, right? It's exhausting to keep up this charade, and so I I just said, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do this all the time. I can't pretend all the time, but he's so persistent, and I'm so thankful for that. If you've met him, you know. You're laughing because you know. You can't build this without the favor of God and some persistence. And so I'm so thankful that he was persistent, and he asked again. Now, at this point, we went from persistent to intense, another word. It's actually my favorite thing about him. He just knows what he wants, and he goes after it. And so we started dating, and um, our our dating just looked completely different than anything I'd ever experienced because he told me, date one, his words, I'm looking to rent I mean, to buy and not rent. I almost had that wrong. Um, I'm looking for a wife, basically. Like, I am not looking for a girlfriend. And so if you're in this room and you are with somebody who is not going to be your husband or your wife, why? Why? Just, it's, it's not worth it. And let me also say that I was 27 at this point, And so God made me wait a little longer than I would have preferred. But let me tell you that his plans are good and he is way better than anything I ever prayed for. <laughs> so he is worth it. But I didn't do everything Right. And I didn't do everything the way it was supposed to be done. And the Bible says in Matthew, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I would call myself a hypocrite at this point. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Who? That's where I was. I can say that now, knowing that I had put up these walls and this charade. And it was two weeks into our relationship. Two weeks. This is how intense this moved. And it was kind of a turning point, really just with everything. And we were sitting side by side, and he said, Hey, like what is one thing that you wish you could change? Like one decision you wish you could take back? That's like a pretty loaded question. And I'll be honest with you, I I had a list, but I knew my one. And if you get real honest with yourself, you might be sitting in this room going, ooh, I know my one, but I wanted to lie. Because our perception of how people will react will affect our decisions. And in that moment, my perception was I'm going to tell him this and he's going to leave. And this is so good, I don't want him to leave. But then another voice inside of me said, he's going to find out anyway, so let's go ahead and tell him. And this is where it gets a little difficult for me, and this is why Mother's Day for so long was a little difficult for me, because I had to look him in the face, the man I love so much, and I had to say, you know, a few years before we met, I was dating the way the world will tell you to date, and I found myself in a situation where I was expecting a baby that I wasn't ready for. Well, guess what? Sometimes God gives us things that we're not ready for. But I made the choice, the empowered choice, is what the world will call it, to walk into a place and not have the baby. How's that for a pastor's wife confession for you on Mother's Day? And it was painful and it was hard. But if he had any bit of judgment, I didn't see any of it. Which was crazy because standing here today and speaking to you, it makes me so sad because that same sentence, our perception of how people will react, will affect our decisions. My decision was affected by the church. The thought of walking into church alone, expecting a baby without marriage on the horizon, just brought me so many thoughts of shame that it was paralyzing And I thought, I can't pretend, I can't hide that. What am I supposed to do? And so I told nobody, and I went about it alone my own way. And nobody told me, the world will tell you it's a great choice and it's an empowered choice, but nobody told me, because nobody's talking about it, what a broken choice it is. Because I walked in broken, and I walked out of there completely shattered and in pieces and alone with nobody to talk to. Because if it's such an empowered choice, why is nobody talking about it? Why is the church not talking about it? Some of us are broken inside, and we need healing. And so the way he responded taught me so much about how Jesus would have responded. He looked at me, and he said, you know, it's okay. Not what you did. I'm not, I'm not saying what you did is okay, but it's okay because you're forgiven. And Jesus died on the cross for you. And I said, yeah, I know. I knew up here. But you will lie to you. And so I, for so many years after that, I have gotten it off my chest, but I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you. I just stuffed it down deep because I thought, well, he knows and I can walk on this and, and I'll be just fine. The start of that verse, John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy It's a pretty heavy portion of the verse, and I don't think I always understood it until I realized that the thief wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your purpose. He wants to destroy your potential. We got married and we got pregnant right away with Jake, and I should have been full of joy the whole time, and instead I was full of fear. Something should happen. I don't deserve this baby. Something should happen. And at 28 weeks, I was in the hospital with a blood clot. Massive blood clot. We heard a lot of scary news. And while he was praying on behalf of our son, I was laying in a bed going, this makes sense. This baby doesn't belong to me. I took one from you. You should take one from me. But let me tell you something. Our God does not work that way. He is not a scorekeeper. He is a loving father who wants to heal you and wants (laughs) blessings on you and wants to love you. And if your plan's not looking the way you thought it looked, he has a plan for you that's better. And so this just happened pregnancy after pregnancy. We joke that we can hold hands and we're expecting. And it's not fair because there's people dealing with infertility and miscarriage. And here I was having baby after baby after baby. I'm thankful for them. They are the greatest blessings of my life. But then also we were planting a church and there was a voice in me saying, oh my goodness, if my church ever found out what I've done, they're all going to leave. It's going to kill our church. Uh, Clearly, I got over that this morning, but shame will do that. Shame will do that. (laughs) (laughs) So in, in Ephesians, Ephesians says this, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and it's corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's the thing, you can't be old and new at the same time. It says put off the old. What I tried to do was just put on the new over that wound that never got dealt with, and what happens then is that wound is gonna start bleeding through, and it's gonna start affecting your relationships, and it's gonna start affecting your purpose. But some of us just can't figure out how to hand it over. And so I want to give you some practical things today that might help you go from the lack to the fullness that God wants for you. See, shame is a wrong opinion about ourselves based on a wrong opinion about who God is. It says you are your mistake, not you are who I say you are. So the first thing we have to do, you have to tell somebody what you're struggling with. Now, I told him, and I thought that was enough, but what I didn't tell him was that I continued to struggle, so if you tell a person just to get it off your chest, but then you're still struggling, and you tell nobody, that does you no good, because it's going to keep driving a wedge, and anytime you're holding something in your relationship between the two of you, your relationship is going to be less than, and that includes your relationship with the Lord, because I was withholding this from him, and our relationship could not go to where it needed to go. So slowly but surely, and this took years, guys. This is not like an overnight thing for me. I told a friend, and then I told a small group, and then we moved here, and I told my leadership team. And then I got really bold, and I told my mom. This was like a decade later. I had been hiding this for a decade, and my mom knew something was wrong. She told me that recently. I knew something was wrong. I couldn't figure out what it was. And when I told her, she cried and apologized for not being there for me. She said, I'm so sorry you had to go through that alone and that you felt like you couldn't come to me. And so here's the thing, church, we have a loving father, but the church has to be like my mama. She has to be the one saying, you can come to me and we'll get through this. And you messed up, kiddo, but that's okay because we will will deal with it and we will find healing and we will find restoration. We have to react to people that way. The second thing is you have to surrender every piece of it to him, yeah. withholding nothing. I held on to this piece for so long. And basically what that was saying was, God, I believe that you died on the cross for me, but this, it, was, it wasn't enough for this one thing that I just have to hold on to. And God dealt with me with that. You see, after we had Annabelle, we were done, so we thought. And about 10 months Into Annabelle's life. We found out we were expecting a fourth. As you know, we have four. And um, I was wrestling with all these emotions because if you've had multiple children, you know that if you're not expecting another one, pregnancy sounds a little daunting to do again. And then I felt guilty for not being excited, just all kinds of things happening. And I had plans to go to a conference with a friend of mine. She's the same friend who introduced us because that's how God works. He loves full circle, and we go to this conference together, and I didn't expect to deal with any of this stuff. I was really just going to have a good time with my friend, and we were in worship after the message, and the message was phenomenal, but during worship, I started trying to sing, and no words were coming out of my throat, no sound, and I was thinking, what is happening? I'm like straining. I'm probably like screaming, and nothing's coming out. And I'm like, this has never happened. What is happening? And I realized I did not believe the words I was trying to say. The song, you've probably heard it over and over again, says, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I was living here. I have come so they may have get life to the full. I want you to be here. So sometimes you wonder in worship why we say the same things over and over and over again. Sometimes you have to say it till you mean it. Say it till you feel it. Say it till you believe it. And I had to sing that song. I don't know how long it was. It felt like hours. I'm sure it was five minutes. But I had to do it again and again until I believed it. And what God dropped into me at that moment, I heard a voice say. How many healthy babies do I need to give you before you accept the fact that you're forgiven? You see, he wants your ugly. He wants your mistake. He, it it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that it was pleasing to him. It just means that you're pleasing to him when you say, God, I want to turn my life in another direction. I want to surrender it all to you. He died for you. And that fear that I walked with for so long was replaced with peace. Because here's the thing, that peace of yourself that you're withholding from him it might be the peace that you're withholding from yourself. And the last thing, and this is the hardest one, sometimes it is the hardest to forgive yourself and to accept grace. Grace is a free gift. Forgiveness is a free gift from the Father, but who knows, why is it so hard to, to bring on to ourselves? It's easy sometimes to forgive other people, but when it comes to ourselves, we don't let ourselves off the hook. Well, today, I want you to walk out of here knowing that whatever your past looks like, grace can fall upon you, but you have to open your hands and you have to take it. You know, I can be at Publix sometimes with tons of grocery bags and four kids and a cart, and the Publix shopping guy comes up to me and says, can I help you? And I say, no, I'm good, I got this, and I'm drowning. He's trying to lavish grace on you. Open your hands and receive it. And what God does, he doesn't stop there. This is what I love about our God. He loves you so much. He doesn't just want to forgive you. He just doesn't want to heal you. He wants to completely restore you. And so we went home from that conference, and we found out we were having another girl. And we had moved to Birmingham at this point. We're in a brand-new house. So we hadn't picked a name yet, and we found this piece of paper. I have no idea how it survived the move. It was a piece of paper with a few names scribbled on it, I guess maybe when we were trying to name the other girls. And I showed it to him. I said, hey, I found this. I guess these were names we were considering. And we both picked the same name on that piece of paper. You know our littlest is Rosie. That's her middle name, Rose. But her first name is Vivian, Vivian Rose. And when we looked up the meaning of Vivian, it meant breath of life, full of life and God in that moment breathed new life into a place that was so empty in me and so broken for so long and he said you don't have to live with that anymore I want to breathe new life into you and so for all of you in here if there's a place in you that you need some new life breathed in you are in the right place we want to be that family for you I wonder how many years The enemy stole from me in ministry. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Steal your joy, kill your potential, destroy your purpose. I get to lead a church with my husband, it's the greatest honor of my life. But conversations would come up with other women that I had to shy away from because of my own pain, undealt with. I had friends going through infertility, maybe that's you today, and I I couldn't even pray for them because of my guilt. I had friends, very close friends, go through a miscarriage, and I couldn't tell them. I know how it feels to miss somebody you never got to meet. But you know what? The victory is ours. It's not fair, but I will get to meet that baby someday, because he is good and he loves you. And it isn't fair, but grace isn't fair, and aren't you glad we don't serve a God who's fair? so if that's you today and you're trying to deal with some of this I know some of this is painful for some of you in this room and that was never my intention I actually want you to leave here encouraged and full of hope and so after service today there is going to be just ladies up here for prayer line and I would encourage you to come up and receive prayer today if there's something that you need to surrender over to God hey, pick a person you've never seen before. (laughs) If you just need to get something off your chest, pick a person you've never seen before. But even if it's just you are going through any of those other issues or you are a single mom and you just need a little breath of fresh air or you are waiting on a baby and you don't know what that looks like, we want to pray with you for that baby. We want to be with you in that journey. We want to be the mama that says, hey, we're going to get through this together. And we mean it. He says all the time, we are not a museum for good people. We are a hospital for sick people. So if you're sick, come up and get healing. I thank you all so much for letting me be real and transparent. This is why I love this church so much. This is all we could have ever dreamed of. And let me just say this too. Maybe you're just in the room and you're like, I don't really feel like I need prayer. That's okay. Who doesn't want a prayer over your family and your legacy and your children? We're happy to do that, too. We are a praying church. My husband carries prayer cards around all week. There are stacks and stacks of them. And, and we love you, and that's what we want to do for you. So, yeah. I don't think I had a good ending to that right there. Sorry. <laughs> Got a little emotional. But, yeah, thank you for allowing me the opportunity to share with you. But I just want you to know this is a house of grace. This is a house of mercy. This is a house of healing. And you're in great company because I'm not sure if you knew this, but we've all messed up. And we're all just trying the best we can. But I don't want you to live here in the lack. I want you to be able to live into the full. And so today, for some of you, that might even mean that you don't even you haven't even accepted Christ, you don't know what that even looks like. How do I even step in the full if I'm not even in a relationship with Christ? Well, today you'll have the opportunity to do that too. All you have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I do want you to be the Lord of my life. So in a minute we're going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. I'm going to ask everybody to open their hands just on their laps, because I believe that God wants to pour out some grace on this place today. Mamas, you're doing better than you think, I promise you. Dads, you were doing better than you think. Those of you who are waiting, his promises are good. He has plans for you. And there's healing for all of us. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we just love you so much. You are a loving Father. You want to lavish your gifts upon us even when it doesn't make sense and even when it's not fair. But it wasn't fair, God, that your son had to go to the cross and die for us. And so I'm thankful that you don't keep score. And all we have to do is say, yes, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be my Savior. And today, if that's you, I just pray that you accept that into your heart. And then for all of you out there who have been beating yourself up, not willing to step into your today because you can't grapple with the fact that you have a yesterday. I want you to feel that being lifted off of you, the old self, put off. Open your hands and let go of it and then put on your new self. Feel that grace, feel that mercy, feel that love that he is just giving to you generously because he wants that for you. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together on a Sunday and be with family. We love you so much for the work that you're doing in this church and churches all over Palm Beach County. We, We pray a special blessing over the mamas today. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
0: Hey, come on, New Sound. Thank you for listening. We would love to have you join us at New Sound for one of our weekend experiences. Check out our website for times and directions at newsound.church. We would love to hear how these messages are impacting your life. Please share your story with us at story at newsound.church.